Well, uh, graduates, you have sacrificed uh, so much time to get to this point, and I'm sure that uh, your parents and uh, loved ones have shared some of that sacrifice from getting you ready to go to school when you were little to uh, teacher parent conferences throughout the years, driving you to school or picking you up from an activity or your sports games. And, and I'm pretty sure that you probably heard this question from your folks throughout your school year. Do you have homework? Does it kind of resonate? Yeah, for our homeschoolers, that question is kind of tricky, right? Because everything you did is practically homework, right? But you couldn't uh, go out and play and hang out with your friends until that homework was done. You know, they kept watch over you. And now you guys have been under, all this time, you've been under your parents' care You've been under their wings. They've protected you. They've nurtured you, taken care of you, and have done everything possible to help you from going the wrong way. But now, from this destination point to the next, you will quickly find out that cleaning house and laundry doesn't get done by itself. A flat tire has to be dealt with. And most importantly, with family not around, they will not know what you are doing most of the time, where you are going, who you're hanging out with, and how you are living. So how can you live pure and godly, cautious and careful as you venture out as a, as a young adult. Well, the best guidance that we can receive is found in God's Word. So our text today is going to be Psalms 119, and I'm going to read eight verses, beginning with verse 9. And here's what the, the Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules, the judgments of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes. Think on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. Pray with me. Father, once again, thank you because in your word, there is help for the helpless, Lord. We find healing, Lord. Lord, your word reveals to us, Lord, our blessed hope, that our blessed hope is found in none other but in Christ alone. And so, Lord, speak to us that your word may be clear this morning, Father. Challenge us, Lord. Convict us, Lord. 
and help us to be led by you in Christ's name. Amen. You know, Psalm 19 is known as the longest chapter in the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's got 176 verses. I debated about reading all of them today, this morning, but I opted not to. I heard a couple of amens back there. You know, in the original text, there are 22 sections in this chapter. Uh, really, 22 stanzas in poetic song form. And is, it is written as an acrostic. You get the a first letter and then you just go across. You know, uh, this summer we'll be doing Hot Days, H-O-T-T. It stands for Helping Out the Town. That's an acrostic. But uh, Psalms 19 takes the, the Hebrew alphabet, 22 letters, and it takes every single letter and it gives us eight verses. And they're really, it's, it's really a, 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 some stanzas of music that poetically uh, is part of Scripture. And so in the original text, that's what these poetic, this poetic song form is written as this acrostic of, uh, passage all the way through 176. So the verses of each stanza begin with the same letter of each of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Each lyrical stanza has eight verses. So you multiply 22 by 8 equals 176. I know you don't care about that right now, but Paul Kimball does because he's into math. There, and so that's just the way it's broken down. In essence, this scripture, it's about scripture. It's a poetic, lyrical melody. C.S. Lewis would say of Psalms 119 that it is the most beautiful lyric in scripture. So the opening text I read begins at the second stanza, kind of like the B part. And it's in verse 9, and it starts with a question. How can a young person... You know, and, and, and for application purposes, young, old, male, female, for everyone. How can we stay on the path of purity? How can you keep your way pure? And straight up, the answer comes right afterwards. Well, do what God says. Do what God's word says to do by guarding it according to your word, by guarding it. What is it? What would the question just posed? How can you keep your way pure, your path, the way you live, the track you are on. And so that, in essence, is an action statement. There's action in this. It's not just knowing it. It's, it's guarding it. The NIV says, by living according to your word. The CSB says, by keeping your word. The King James Version said, by, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. It's action driven. So it's not just knowing the word of God, but doing what it says with all our heart. In verse 10, with my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. You know, they say that the average, um, it's an average of 12 to 18 inches is the distance between our mind and our heart, depending on your height. And that distance will make an eternal difference from just head knowledge and heart. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's important to know God's word, but it's critical that we act on that knowledge. It's good to know it, but we got to put it into action, put it into practice 
In verse 11, the author says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have stored up your word in my heart. You know, I have a lot of junk stored up in my closet. And recently, we've been just kind of boxing a lot of stuff, getting ready for a move. And um, my wife keeps telling me, Rav, you got a lot of junk in that closet stored up. You got to get rid of it. Not, you know, she's probably right for the most part. Um, but over the years, you know, we, we have a tendency to just kind of hoard and hold on to things. And, you know, we think that the stuff that we have, it's got some value, you know. I mean, we, we, we just don't want to get easily rid of it, right? But what we should never get rid of is God's word. We should never get rid of his word because it is so valuable to us. It's priceless. As a teenager, I learned that passage uh, from the King James Version. It says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And I remember thinking as a teenager, why do you want to hide God's word? Don't you want to like share it, tell everybody about it? I, I didn't understand. But in context, I found out that what the author is, 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 is treating God's word is like a treasure. It's something precious. It's something valuable. So um, if God's word can help me discern and not fall prey to the counterfeit life that the devil offers, well, that's valuable. If living by his word will give me victory over a lifestyle of entangled sin, that's priceless. You see, Satan's strategy or strategies over the years have not really changed much. Remember what he did to Eve in the garden? Remember, the Bible says he was crafty, he was cunning, and he made her doubt God's word. She went from trusting God to trusting herself instead. Eve's choice to sin started with doubting the God who loved her. She changed her standard. She lowered the bar. And she went from, I'll do what God said because I trust him, to I'll figure it out for myself. I'll know what, what is best for me. Because maybe God's not trustworthy. So I have to interject Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean in your own mind, your own understanding. We have to acknowledge him in our path, in our way, in our life, because he will direct our way of life. He will direct our path. He will direct our life. He will guide our life. So the cunning, crafty serpent wants us to doubt God's word and not to trust in the Lord. You know, you fast forward from Genesis practically almost to the book of Revelation. You know, tons of centuries have gone by. And in the book of 1 John, he warns us not to love the world or the things in the world because all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but from this fallen world. And you can see, you know, it's, it's just packaged different, right? You look at the woman saw that the fruit 
was good for food. That it was a delight to the eyes. She saw that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. And today it's, it's the same ploy. It's just repackaged. It's the same old trick before the fall and after. I mean, because when she saw the fruit, sin hadn't entered. When there was that desire, sin had not entered. Just It wasn't until she completely, blatantly just disobeyed and took of the fruit and then gave it to her husband who was standing next to her. And so even in that state, before and after, the devil is still trying to cunningly deceive us and see how we can cave in and doubt his word. And you take on life. You got, you got to just say, God, 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 I know, I mean, I could trust you, but just in case, I think I, I'll take it from here. The God of this world wants us to give in to the flesh, our carnal appetites, and, and not walk in the spirit, not trust God's word. Back then, it was a forbidden fruit that looked good and was to be desired. But today, I don't know, it could be maybe a device with a digital apple in it, seeing things, reading things, posting things that are ungodly, unholy, with no conviction of sin. So let's treasure his word in our hearts so we won't sin against him, so that we may walk in godliness, encounter the world in the name of of the Lord. You know, uh, it's not part of the passage, Isaiah. If I, if I put Psalms, uh, look at 119.37, throw it up there because this ought to resonate. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. That's God's word. We know it. Now we just have to apply it. Now we got to put some action into it. In verse 12, David says, most uh, scholars believe that it was King David that wrote. Uh, some other scholars might think that it was Daniel or maybe Ezra. There's a lot of affliction going on in this uh, 176 passages. But for the most part, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. And you know, that's a no-brainer, right? May you be praised, Lord, is what the author says. It's, he's, he's not just writing it, he's singing it, he's putting some lyrical melody into it. Teach me your, your statutes. I want to learn your statutes. I want to learn your word. My life is a mess. It's, it's crazy. It's a, it's a whirlwind. And as I navigate through life, as I go through life, I need your word to, to just light up my path. I need to drink it constantly. It is my guide. In verse 13, with my lips, I declare all the rules, all the judgments from your mouth. In other words, my mouth is going to proclaim, is going to quote, is going to teach, is going to use scripture. Because that scripture has come from the mouth of God himself. And so when the enemy comes, our best defense is the word of God as a powerful offense. When Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he declared the word of God. He used the very word of God to fight off the devil. We know that. And, you know, there's even a couple of similarities 
to that whole repackaging deal, the whole strategy that the enemy still has. Remember, he told Jesus, well, you're exhausted, you're weary, you're worn out. It's been 40 days, you haven't eaten. Hey, you need to satisfy your flesh here. Hey, take that stone and turn it into bread. Later on, he takes them to a high mountain. Look at all these kingdoms. He showed them all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. You know, there's the desires of the eye. And all this I will give you, just worship me, bow down, serve me. And Jesus, once again, used scripture. The first time he said, Satan, hey, man will not live by bread alone, but rather by the word of God, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And yeah, we have this physical body that needs to be nurtured. But remember, there's a soul, there's a spirit within us that constantly needs to be nurtured so that we can weather the snares and the wiles and the trickery of the enemy who wants to lure us to go down a path so that he can steal, kill, and destroy us. And Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life so that you can enjoy life. So you can't say like, oh man, I just can't have fun like all my friends. Well, wait a minute. If you look from a biblical perspective, that fun eventually turns into mourning. That fun eventually, you know, you, you, there's no high, high enough that's going to give you the thrill and the joy of what God has in store for us. When he said, come, come and bow down before me. I'll give you all these riches. Don't you see? Isn't it to be desired? Split, Satan. Be gone. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. He's constantly just using scripture from the Old Testament to battle. You know, that's his, that's his way to, to fight off and war off the deception of the enemy. In verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes or, or think on your ways. In other words, I will find delight in your word, not in this world. I, many times we, 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 we think that, well, if I, man, I just want to live and, and do whatever I want to do. And, you know, you think that that's thrilling and exhilarating and so forth, but, but eventually it's going to get us into trouble. Eventually it's going to cause hurt, brokenness. Meditate on his, fix and think on his ways. In 16, he says, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I will delight in your word. I will delight in your statute, your precepts. I will find delight in your word. I'm not going to forget your word. And even when doubt comes, we can still trust his word. I think doubt can come and you wonder, well, uh, God, uh, I'm not sure here. I mean, it looks innocent enough. I think I can do this. But your word says uh, it's not right. Uh, I need to be cautious. I need to be careful. But I don't think, I mean, come on, God, you're a little overprotective here. And so as soon as you take matters into your own hands, then what you are saying is, you know, at this moment, I'm not quite trusting you, God. I got it. I think I'll trust my instinct instead. Right? There's a way that seems right to a man. But what comes after that? Destruction, death is what, what, what comes out of that. So as you take flight into the next chapter of your life, 
And even if mom or dad or a family member might not be around to help you navigate through some of the challenges that life will hit you with, some of the temptations that the devil will hit you with, or you, you, you must arm yourself with God's word. You must arm yourself with the word of God and fight off what this world and culture and the devil is blatantly pushing into our faces. A counterfeit lifestyle that leads to brokenness and, and emptiness, hopelessness, and ultimately leads us to death. I will never forget, and I've shared this with our, with our students before, I will never forget a senior in high school uh, in one of the churches where I served previously, and he, he was just a, such a young, a good, mild-mannered young man, very courteous, good kid. In his senior year, his mom and dad bought him a nice, sporty, candy apple red uh, Trans Am or something. It was a really nice car. And, uh, and so I remember he brought it to church. He was so proud of it. And we were all excited, like, woo, nice, you know. But after a while, as the, as the fall, you know, went on during that semester of his senior year, I began to notice that I wasn't seeing him as often in church. I wasn't seeing him as involved in, a, in our youth ministry. And it just, he was a little out of character. And, uh, and I remember um, I made a, a, a couple of con- a times that I contacted him and, 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 and spoke with him. Hey, man, we miss you. Uh, you know, we, I, we're praying for you. And I know it's, it's your senior year. You got a lot of things going on. But, uh, man, I want to just encourage you to, you know, just continue to persevere. And, um, and he said, yeah, Pastor Ralph, the thing is that now that I have this car and I'm so busy, the only time I have um, to really take care of my car because I, I got to wash it and I got to wax it and clean it and make sure that it's all tidy and spiffy for the week. The only time I have is on a Sunday. So, so I really can't go on Sundays to church like I used to. And so, um, you know, you just have to have a smile. In my heart, I felt like it, it was just a, a knife going through it and turning it and twisting it. And um, I said, well, um, I, I know that, that, that it's hard. Here's what I don't want you to do. I, don't, I just don't want you to neglect God's word. I don't want you to neglect the assembling of ourselves together so that we can, you know, encourage each other, challenge, push each other, hold each other accountable. He says, oh, no, no, no. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I, I still believe in God. I'm reading my, my Bible on my own, that kind of thing. Well, a few months after that, tragedy hit this young man. And I was just broken, and it just grieved me as a minister um, when I found out that he had several of his buddies in that nice, sporty car out at the beach, and, uh, and they were just acting a little crazy, and the guys were on top of the hood and uh, on top of the car, and he was driving. And, of course, there was alcohol involved and all that. And, and one, of the, one of the boys that was, I guess, surfing on the car fell backwards and immediately snapped his neck, causing death. His world was rocked. It really rattled him, his family, his friends, his church family. Because I know usually the mindset is, you know, hey, I'm just going to live a little. I'm just going to enjoy my life, you know, and do as much as I can. I, I got it. It's going to be good. It's going to be all right. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go rob a bank or kill somebody. I'm just, you don't think that, right? And he was charged for involuntary um, manslaughter. He didn't mean to do it. 
It just went in that direction. And see, those are the whispers of the world and the enemy that wants to just lure you slowly. It's not, it's, I mean, you're not going to see Satan with a pitchfork and a wart on his nose and like, hey, do this. He's not going to come like that. It's, it's going to be rather, you know, the Bible says, it calls it the pleasures of sin. There's, there's, it's going to seem appealing at first and it's gradual. And by the time you know it, you're not just knee deep into it. You're, all, it's, you're neck into it. it. You're inundated by that. And you're entangled in, in a lifestyle. And, and I, can, I can tell you stories of people that are ensnared in all kinds of entraptions. And they just wish they would have never done the first smoke. They wish they would have never done the first injection. They wish they would have never taken the first drink. They wish they would have never gone to that place. They wish and they wish and they wish. Jesus said the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your blessings. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your dreams. He ultimately just wants to kill you. Because you remind him of God. We're made in the image of God. We are his creation. And he'll do anything he can to try to cause us to doubt his word. To cause us to... to not trust him. And so I want to just challenge you this morning, seniors. Continue. And if you haven't, begin to have just a, a personal walk with God, a very close walk. Because remember, mom and dad aren't going to be around. You know, this senior boy that, that this, tra- I mean, if mom and dad would have been in the front seat, I think it would have been a whole different thing, right? What are you doing? This is crazy. It's not going to happen. Nuh-uh, no, sir. Stop that car. Get those boys off. I mean, it would have happened, but when you're on your own, here's where you have to walk carefully, cautiously. So have a close walk with the Lord. Get into His Word. Study it. Memorize it. Get that head knowledge, but then transfer it into your heart. Go 18 inches down and make it applicable. Live by it. Flesh it out. Live it out. Another thing, seniors, surround yourself with positive people, with friends that have a high regard for God and His Word, with friends that that have a reverence and a respect for the Lord, that walk with the Lord, that will challenge you and and encourage you to, to uh, to be a faithful witness. See, that's the crowd you want to hang out with. See, you have choices. That's the liberty and the freedom that we have as people of God. We, we can decide what we want to do. Sure, I can party and I can drink and I can sleep around and I can do drugs and I can do whatever I want. It's, I'm free to do that. But it's not beneficial, it's not profitable, and it's just counterfeit living. So to be genuine, get yourself uh, plugged in with friends that have the same values that that want to be cautious and careful and live holy and live godly and live pure. Another thing is to get connected into, if you are going out to college somewhere out of town, um, get connected in a campus ministry. As soon as you get there, you're going to get a schedule. You're, know, you're going to know where your classes are. You're going to get your books. You're going to know um, who your teachers are and professors and so forth. But then you also have to find a local ministry there, maybe a campus ministry 
where you are going to be able to connect and get fed and be held accountable. For those that are, I got a couple that are going into the military. There's Bible studies. There's groups that get together. They do have services and just look for ways for you to be plugged in. If you're sticking around here in town, don't neglect the assembling of ourselves. Don't check out, well, I'm done with church. I'm already done with school. I'm out of, I'm out of the youth group. Um, there's still something, there's tons of things constantly. We as a, a local body of believers want to, we want to continue to uh, minister to you. We want to continue to pour into you. We, we, we want to continue to just be a blessing to you. We want to nurture you spiritually. So don't neglect. Get involved in our Bible school. And, and I know that uh, over the summer we're going to have uh, activities and, and fellowships for our, for our college and career uh, students that are uh, in, the, in this area. So get connected. Find a church. And when you find, don't just attend, serve. Get plugged in. Use your gifts. Use your talents. Use your skills. What can you do? How can you serve the Lord? So you get in there. You meet the pastor. You meet the leadership or whatever. And just say, hey, I'm here. How can I help? How can I serve? I don't want to just warm up the benches each Sunday and put a little checkbox and, and call mom and dad. Hey, mom, I went to church. It's more than that. Let's go beyond just religiosity here. Let's live it out and let's see how you can plug in, be a part of a vibrant living body of Christ. And so wherever the Lord takes you, students, wherever he plants you, there, thrive, bloom, shine for his glory. And so my brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, you know, the word is clear. Sin indeed has invaded our nature. It has invaded this world and and we desperately need God's forgiveness. But before he forgives, we must repent. We must turn around. We must go the opposite direction. Jesus took our shame, our sin, our sin upon himself, and he willingly gave his life as a perfect sacrifice to take care of our sin problem. He was pure and holy. The Bible says that for our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so God makes us right, even though we don't deserve it, but because of what Christ did on the cross, our sin, our guilt, our shame is washed, it's, the slate is clean when we come before him in faith and say, Lord, wash me, cleanse me. I believe that that perfect sacrifice on the cross, covered, that blood covers me. It's got power today to make me right. And I receive your righteousness, God. So when God from his heaven looks upon his children, he sees the righteousness of Christ upon us. Guys, you and I know that we just don't deserve that. So if we're entangled in the sin, there ought to be this heavy uh, grief within us, a pain. Why? Why am I living like this? Why am I letting this world suck me in? Why am I caving in? And so when you find out how much we have been forgiven, then we are so grateful. We're eternally grateful 
And we come before a holy God and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you because much has been forgiven in my life. So would you like this morning, if you've not made that profession, if you've not committed your heart and your life to Christ, well, you can just bid him and open up your heart and say, Lord, come into my life. I receive, I believe that you lived, died, and resurrected. And by that power, and my belief in your perfect sacrifice and your resurrecting power, I can have life and life eternal. Trust the word that became flesh and lived and died and came alive so that we can receive this eternal life.